Thanks, Duncan. Uh, I am indeed very glad to be with you. I pray for this church because of the personal link Alison and I have with you through Duncan and Miriam. And thank you very much if you knew about my sickness and have been praying for, for us as well. Um, I heard about the, the rain and the floods and I'm very sorry if your house was flooded. Um, I had a friend years ago at Moore College when we had some very heavy rain and he was late to a lecture and he came in and said, he told us that his house had been flooded and he said, oh well, into every life a little rain must fall. And I was glad that he could joke about it but I don't think it's very easy to joke about a thing like that if you're pulling up wet carpet or scraping mud off your kitchen floor. And if that was your experience, um, I'm very sorry it happened to you. And full marks for being here this morning. In fact, a high distinction for uh, being here this morning. Now, uh, you are having some talks on Ruth, and we've come to chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to read that now, and uh, it's in the Bibles that you have. It's marked, the place is marked, and I think it might also be on the screen behind me. So Ruth chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now except for for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along with the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. 
You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain, and she ate all she wanted and had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening and then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He, the Lord, has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish the harvest, finished harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray, please. Father, we thank you for this part of your word. We thank you for your living word, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your magnificent word to us in scripture. And we thank you that this part of that written word has been preserved for us so that we have it here today. And Lord, please, now by your spirit who inspired this scripture, open our hearts to receive its message and be blessed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Ruth is a very beautiful book. It, it's a magnificent piece of writing. There's not one word out of place in this book. It's a, it's a Hebrew classic. And if that doesn't make your hearts go pit-a-pat, it's a love story. And don't we all like love stories? And if even that doesn't work for you, keep looking this way and try to look interested because there's something even bigger in it for us all than that. This is also a story of redemption, about someone being rescued and brought from destitution to a point of wonderful fullness, fulfilment. Now, my way of summing up the whole book is this. Emptiness, chapter 1. Seeking, chapter 2. Finding, chapter 3. And fullness, 
chapter 5. So our theme here in chapter 2 this morning is seeking. And the person who is seeking is Ruth. And she's seeking not just for herself or even not primarily for herself, but for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi was an Israelite from Bethlehem in Judah, the place where Jesus would one day be born. But she'd been away from there in Moab, which we now know as Jordan, the kingdom of Jordan, for 10 years. And she'd gone there to escape famine and to seek a better life for herself and her family. But nothing had gone right for her in Moab. She'd lost her husband, her daughters had lost their husbands, and she's come back in chapter 1 with nothing except this one daughter-in-law, Ruth, whom she's scarcely aware of as she comes back in chapter 1, because she's so consumed with her own problems. Looking back, she thinks it was a mistake to have gone away in the first place. And she feels that God has brought her back in disgrace. Towards the end of chapter 1, she says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And that word empty is a very hard word for Ruth to hear because it rates Ruth as nothing. Which of course a terrible insult to her because Ruth is the one person who has left everything to stay with Naomi and to support her. She's left her home, her gods, her friends and she's come all the way to a foreign country with Naomi to support her. And in reality, Ruth is the greatest asset that Naomi has. And she shows herself to be that by taking the initiative here at the beginning of chapter 2. She says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. They had to eat. It had to be done. But Naomi herself is too depressed and perhaps too ashamed to do it. All she's capable of at this point is letting Ruth do it. But Ruth has said, I will go, and she goes. She's vulnerable as she goes because she's a young woman with no men to protect her. She's a foreigner and she's alone, but she goes. And as it turns out, it says in verse 3, which is a very important phrase in the book of Ruth, as it turned out, she finds herself in the field of Boaz, who just happens to be one of Naomi's relatives. Now Boaz's character shows straight away Um, He arrives, his field, so he's a man, some wealth, 
He has employees, men and women, who work for him. But more than that, he's a, he's a godly man, you see. As he comes into the field, he greets his workers with the Lord's name. The Lord be with you, he says, and they reply, the Lord bless you. So he has the respect of his workers and he's a man of some godly character. There's a lot of potential here for a needy person like Ruth. More than that, he's heard about her. You know, uh, we live in... Uh, it's actually a suburb of Sydney, but it really looks and feels exactly like a little village. And news travels fast in villages, let me tell you. And um, he's heard about Ruth, but he's never seen her, and so he asks about her. And as a gener generous man... Uh, he offers her protection. He's told that she's worked hard all day with only one short break. So he's an honourable man. She's an honourable young woman. And he orders his men not to bother her because not everything is sweet and light in Bethlehem, you see. So a young woman like her could be in danger even there. And he tells her that she can come and drink from the water jars he's provided for his men and even share their food. He even commands his men to pull some grain out of the sheaves, you know, the, the grain that's already been harvested and leave it for her so she can have a bit extra, making her gleaning easier. And is this just generosity uh, or is this the beginnings of love. Ruth, though, is probably not thinking such thoughts at the moment. As far as what she says, she is just grateful. Just grateful, verse 10. She bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you'd notice me, a foreigner? She feels a big gap between her and Boaz, but she's grateful for the kindness that he shows her. And at the end of the day, she hurries back to Naomi with a large basket, an ephah, about 20 litres of grain, so quite a, a lot. It's a big basket, overflowing with grain, and she tells Naomi excitedly what has happened. And when Naomi hears it, her spirits, her spirits begin to rise. She starts to lift out of her depression because she sees more than just human kindness here. She says, the Lord bless that man. The Lord has not, not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. <clears throat> And so the story changes gear from kindness and possibly love to redemption. Now, that expression, guardian redeemer, is a very interesting one, and it refers to a male relative um, who had the responsibility under Israelite law to come to the rescue of a member of his family who had fallen on hard times, was in poverty and so on. And in those circumstances, the nearest male relative was called the guardian redeemer or the kinsman, the relative redeemer. 
he had a responsibility to help, and if he couldn't or wouldn't, then the responsibility fell to the next nearest male relative and so on. Boaz is such a relative, and that's why Naomi refers to him as a guardian redeemer. <clears throat> and uh, he is apparently not just able but willing to fulfil his duty. So Ruth continues to glean in Boaz's field through the whole harvest season, but now full of hope, confident that she and Naomi do have a future here in Bethlehem. It's a story about seeking and about beginning to find. So let's stand back now and think about what are the big issues that emerge from this passage. There are a number of them. I'm just going to focus on two this morning. There's something here about human initiative and divine sovereignty. There's something here about people taking initiative, accepting responsibility and stepping out to do what they can in a situation. The chapter begins with Ruth taking the initiative in verse 2 and then with Boaz taking the initiative to help her. And it ends with Naomi speaking about God's hand in it all. The Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And looking back, we can see that the happenstances, if you like, that she happened to be in that field, that Boaz came at that time and noticed her and so on. These have all <coughs> um, been God's doing. God's kindness to her and Naomi and to Elimelech, her husband, who has died and is no longer able to support her. God is meeting their need through the things that Ruth and Boaz are doing. So we shouldn't see good things like this that happen as simply natural, but also supernatural, not just human initiatives, but sovereign acts of God. Someone has said God is not only behind the scenes, He's moving all the scenes he's behind. The Apostle Paul says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. <clears throat> and even when we're depressed, like Naomi, and perhaps incapable of taking the initiative, God still works for our good through the actions of others. I have experienced depression a number of, well, at least twice quite seriously in my life. And I remember one of them, I was working at Moore College at the time, and I'd lost all interest in what I was doing. I had no joy in my life, had no energy. I just felt I couldn't continue. And I, I remember going to Peter Jensen, who was my boss at that time, and saying, this is how I am. And he said to me a number of things, but the thing I remember was, he said, sometimes when people are feeling as you do, they feel that even praying is pointless. It, even that doesn't seem to make any sense. 
to you. And he couldn't have said anything better because that's exactly how I was feeling. I used to go to church because I knew it was the right thing to do, but I was totally disengaged from it. It was like watching it on television. And my emotions simply didn't respond at all. I felt really dead inside. And so he couldn't have said anything better, but the next thing he said was even better. He said, well, he said, if you can't pray or don't feel prayer is meaningful to you, I just want you to know that we are going to carry you with our prayers. Couldn't have been better for me. He didn't tell me I should feel different or I should pray. He just told me, we will carry you with our prayers. And sometimes we need to be carried and we need to let ourselves be carried. But if we are in a position to act, we should do so. We have a responsibility to do so. And sometimes it's to act for ourselves, sometimes it's to act for somebody else. Indeed, that we do so believing that God is sovereign. You know, believing that, believing that God is sovereign, that God is in control of everything, does not absolve us from the responsibility to do what we can. But we must never think that everything depends on us. Resting in God, resting in God, is not doing nothing, but going forward trusting that God is in control and has our best interests at heart. So I don't know what situation you're in this morning, uh, brothers and sisters, but maybe that's a word for you. The second thing, big thing, I think, from this passage this morning is <clears throat> redemption. There is something here about redemption. Ruth goes looking for food, but she finds a man. She finds a man who is able and willing to help her, a redeemer whom God has placed there in that field for her to find. And that redeemer meets her needs, not just for food, but for love, for family, for inclusion in the people of God and for a future beyond anything she could have imagined. In the Bible, redemption means rescue. Rescue out of slavery or out of poverty or out of bondage to sin and Satan. There are two kinds of redemption in the Bible, and I call them big R redemption and small R redemption. Big R redemption is uh, like the exodus from Egypt, a momentous event in nation's history, in, in, in Israel's history, where God comes in power. God does mighty works to rescue his people. And what God does, the things God does are miraculous, they're very visible, and they impress themselves on the national consciousness. They're spoken about from generation to generation. They're foundational for the whole nation's relationship with God. That's big R 
redemption. Small r redemption is more ordinary, but it's also quite wonderful. Small r redemption emerges without miracles in the simple, ordinary, everyday matters of hard work, of human kindness, of a woman being supported by her daughter-in-law, of young people meeting, falling in love, and having a baby. Now, this is redemption too, because in all this apparently ordinary stuff, or all this apparently ordinary stuff in this story is part of something much bigger that God is doing. Because Ruth and Boaz end up being ancestors of King David and therefore of Jesus. Do you know they're actually mentioned in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter 1? And the baby born in Bethlehem in this book is the forerunner of another baby who would one day be born in Bethlehem and be the redeemer of us all. This story we've just read, even this part of it, is one chapter in a story of redemption that reaches all the way to Jesus and to us. The God who redeemed his people from Egypt kept on redeeming them through all these ordinary things of life until they were in the place that he was taking them to. And so it is with us. And it begins here with, Jesus, with Ruth seeking and finding a redeemer. Do you know we are all seekers by nature? We seek many things. We seek success. We seek financial security. We seek healing. We seek love. But what we need most is redemption. Redemption from our emptiness, from our slavery to sin, from our lostness without God. We need God and we need inclusion in the family of God. That's what we need most. And you know God has provided a redeemer for us. We are told that if we seek him, we will find him. And here's something we will also find. When we find him, we will find that he has already been seeking us. The New Testament opens with wise men seeking Jesus and finding him. But it was the star that drew them to him. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, seek and you will find. Acts chapter 17 verses 26 and 27. From one man God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they should seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. In other words, God made us 
to seek him and to find him. Which is one reason why atheism is such a bad idea. Because it's not just a denial of God. It is also a denier, denial of our humanity. Do you know that of all the creatures on the earth, we are the only ones who seek God? God has put eternity in our hearts. The Bible says he has given each one of us a sense of God and a desire to know him. And we may be able to switch that off in our brain, but our heart will still long for him. And we'll seek many things, but what we really need and what we are seeking deep down is God. I'm nearly finished. You know, just last Sunday, I think it was, in our own church, there was a lady got up. She said, can I just say something? And she got up. And she said, I had my, some of my relatives around. We had, I forget whether it was a wedding or something, a lot of relatives. And she said, this one, I think a cousin, she said, uh, she's an atheist. Uh, but she said, towards the end, they were all talking about what they were going to do tomorrow, and they knew Annie was going to church, and this lady said, oh, I think I'll go to church with Annie tomorrow. And the others were really surprised, because they knew she didn't believe in God, you see. And they said, what are you, you religious now? Or something, you know. She said, well, I don't know, really. <laughs> she said, but she said, I've been there, and she said, there's something there. She said, there's something there, and I think I'll go with, with Annie tomorrow. And Annie said, oh no, no, she, Annie didn't say, the woman herself said, she said, I think I'm a, I'm a Christian atheist, you see, which is silly, it doesn't make sense. But what it showed was that she was seeking the God she didn't believe in, you see. And she didn't even know that that's what she was doing, but that's what she was doing. And so we are made to seek God. That's part of what it is to be human. And the Bible says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You're seeking God today? I don't know why you're in church. You maybe always come to church. But whatever you're seeking and whatever you hear what you need is God. And God has provided a redeemer for you. I hope that speaks to you. And if it does, why don't you do something about it? And talk to, tell someone here about how that has meant something to you. If you'd like to be prayed for, there are people here who would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you myself if you would like me to do that. Let's pray. Let's pray and then I'll finish. Father, we thank you for your word. Write it on our hearts, O oh God. Let it have its full effect in us. Let not the devil snatch away, Lord, the seed that has been sown. May it take root and may it produce the good fruit that you intend in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.